Please mute yourself. Please mute yourself. Mute yourself, please. I probably need to turn this off. Close the door. Close the door. Okay, now everybody's muted. Good. We muted you. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Hold on, let me put a gallery view. There we go. Oh, hi, Kitty. Nice to see everybody. Hey, Lloyd. We'll wait another minute to start. beards, some people have less beards. Things keep changing. Oh, Jonathan, even though I can't see you, you're here. Yes. Hi, Eugene. <laughs> you need to stay muted. <laughs> you got to wave to me now if you're uh, if you if you want to say hi. <laughs> hi, Terrence. <laughs> there are more people waving now. Hi, Karen. A lot of wavers. Okay, Martha. Oh. Okay, well, let's begin with the sit. Uh, formally, oh, I know, I need to do one more thing. It's a little more light, so I get a little more lit up. Um, so, good evening, everybody. If you're new here and you don't know me, I'm Eugene Cash. This is a Sunday evening meeting of San Francisco Insight. We'll have a sit for half an hour and then a talk and then discussion. Uh, please begin sitting now. Uh, establish your posture, sitting upright. It's good to sit on your sits bones. If you're in a chair like me, I kind of scoot my rear end into the back of the chair, and then I come up from there, and I'm not, my back is not against the back of the chair. It's the uprightness starts in the base of the spine and go all, goes all the way through the back of the neck. And it's helpful if there's a little um, tilt on the uh, chin so that the neck is not like this, but like this. So there's straight in the back of the neck. 
and you can scan your body and see if there's any extra holding or tightness or tension that you can simply or easily relax. Just feeling through your body, whether it's in your jaw or your shoulders or your belly or your hands or your feet. And let everything be at ease once you've established the posture of sitting upright. Of course, you could do this if you're standing or if you could, you could do this if you're lying down. It's the same principles we want to follow. And then very helpful to let your eyes close and let your attention come inside to establish some samadhi, some concentration, uh, centeredness. the awareness saturate your body. Like just feel or sense or be aware of the bodiness that is sitting here. Really from the top of the head all the way to the bottom of the feet, however you experience it, sense, be aware of your body sitting here. you could spend the whole meditation simply being aware of the posture of the body sitting here. And often if you sense or feel the body, you'll be aware that the body is breathing and you can focus on the breath. Be mindful of the life of your body that's enlivened by your breath. helpful, it can be very stabilizing to be aware of the whole breath from the beginning of the in-breath through the middle and end of the in-breath and then reconnecting with the out-breath and the middle and end of the out-breath so that we're steadfast in our awareness of the body breathing.
and you may notice a slight pause in between the breath, in between the in-breath and the out-breath, or the out-breath and the in-breath. And we simply want to establish an embodied awareness using the body and the breathing. And you have a choice now. You could stay with the body and the breathing for the whole meditation. Or if you feel stable, if you feel composed, collected, centered, you could open up the space of awareness to include whatever appears as you sit here. Meaning being aware, you may be aware of thoughts or feelings or sounds or other sensations in the body or some mood. But it's with the same centeredness that we establish with the body and the breathing that we want to be aware of the thoughts or feelings not so much enchanted by them or mesmerized by them or infatuated with them, but aware of them as thought or as feeling or as emotion or as sound or as smell or as taste or as other sensation. And of course, it's always helpful to include the second foundation of, of mindfulness, mindfulness of the feeling tone of every experience, the Vedana. And so you can notice if the thoughts are pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And the same for any experience you may notice that the, an in-breath can be pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. Or a sound can be pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And you don't have to go looking for it. Just pay attention to the affective tone of any moment of, that you're aware of whether it's the breath or the body or sensations or sounds or smells or tastes or emotions or feelings or moods or thoughts. Every moment has its feeling tone 
its affective tone, Vedna. This is really very simple, simply to stay here, be here, be aware, be aware of whatever appears in the field of consciousness as we sit here together, not having to get anywhere, not having to get away from anything simply to begin to rest in the awareness itself. Being aware of what you're already aware of in any moment. Sight, sound, taste, smell, feeling, emotion, thought, sensation. moment by moment by moment, staying very intimate with the life that's displaying itself right where you sit.
think we have an announcement now. Great, thank you. Actually, my, my legs are a tiny bit asleep, so I'm, I am standing on them though. Um, good evening, everybody. My name is Nina Gold and I'm one of the board members here at SFI. And hello, <laughs> thank you for the finger wiggles. Um, so I'm going to say a little something about Donna and then um, a, a couple of announcements. So as most of you know, Donna is the Pali word for generosity. And um, it's a quality that's highly valued in Buddhism. And since the time of the Buddha, these teachings have been kept alive really through this practice of generosity that um, the teachings have been offered and that those who have received the teachings have supported the teachings through their generosity, financial support, uh, support through food and lodging for the monastics, et cetera. Since the time of the Buddha and that we're still existing in the stream of that today. So that is how SFI stays afloat is through all of our generosity. And um, if you wish to make a financial offering, we greatly appreciate that. And, and those funds go to um, support the teachers and keep the functioning of um, SFI alive and into some savings so that eventually um, we'll find a location again. Um, and just to say that one aspect of Dhamma is not uh, how much you give, but how you give. And to um, reflect on it as a practice that's um, giving us each an opportunity to work with uh, releasing clinging, letting go, and cultivating joy in the idea of giving, in the giving, and in the after of the giving. So in the spirit of Donna, yes, Eugene? Yeah, I just wanted to add, it's really uh, a given, it's the holiday season, and uh, giving is, seems to be an important part of it. Feel free to give to uh, SFI as part of your, you know, yearly, like a yearly contribution, if you would like, because it's much appreciated and well utilized uh, so that we can keep going. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Eugene. Um, and in addition to that, there are other ways to give also um, through your time and through your volunteering. And so we actually are in need of a volunteer right now, SFI, a, some, a tech hero, somebody who has tech skills um, and can help us with some uh, stuff with the website when that needs to happen, which is usually amounts to about four to six hours per month. So if you have those skills and you'd like to offer your Donna through volunteering, I'll put um, a link in the chat where you can contact us. Um, and I'll say that I've grown a lot 
through the practice of volunteering my time to San Francisco Insight. Okay. Now a couple classes uh, coming up. We have an intro to mindfulness uh, course. So it will be a four week course beginning on January 11th for Tuesday nights, six to 7.30 taught by, by me and by Cyrus Smith. And I will put a link for that in the chat. And then also we have a nine month course beginning in fab February. Uh, sorry, my family is descending downstairs. I, I don't know if you can hear all the hubbub. Um, this is called Investigating White Identity Through the Dharma. And this is for Dharma practitioners who identify as white and wish to have, take a deep dive in understanding uh, the relationship between white identity and racial suffering. So uh, I'll put a link to that in the chat. If I've forgotten anything, another board member can step in and I'll pass, pass it back to you, Eugene. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Nina. Uh, and I'll just have one more announcement to add, which we will not have a class next Sunday on the 26th. The board met while I was away and they wanted not to meet. And I said, okay, uh, given it's a very busy time of the year for everybody. So um, we'll meet again January 2nd, just to be clear about that. Um, Okay, and so uh, I'd like to give a talk tonight. The talk, I named the talk, The Magic of Each Moment, Celebrating Our Aliveness. And um, I think it's kind of appropriate for the holidays to celebrate uh, the magic of our being, of what's here, and the, uh, and the freshness of every moment, the magic of every moment. And I also felt that after, as many of you know, I've been on retreat for the last three weeks. I went to the forest refuge to go sit a retreat for three weeks. And uh, I actually haven't sat a retreat that long since my big bike accident 10 years ago, where I used to go sit at least a month a year, you know, a month stretch at a time. And, uh, and the forest refuge is a little center that's next to our sister center, IMS, in Massachusetts. Right? Originally, there was uh, the Insight Meditation Society, which was created by um, uh, Joseph Goldstein, Sharon Salzberg, and Jack Cornfield. And then um, Jack left and came here and started Spirit Rock. And so, and then a number of years ago, uh, IMS created the Forest Refuge, which is a very small center next to IMS up in the hills there. Um, little hills, but up in the hill. And, um, and that's for experienced students to come practice. They're not formal retreats generally, or when I go, it's not a formal retreat. It's not like going to retreat at Spirit Rock where you get instruction every morning and a talk every night and, and interviews every day um, or, or meetings with teachers every day. No, the Forest Refuge, you go and practice. There are two talks a week by the teachers. And then if you want to meet with teachers, that can happen once or twice a week. And, um, 
and other and but there's no schedule like there's no bells ringing or anything you just sit when you want walk when you want eat you know there's meals right there's breakfast lunch and then tea which means it's not much of a meal at night it's it's a little bit of broth and crackers and that's your meal or many people don't eat an evening meal and um and so I've practiced there before. It's a beautiful place. It's it, I, aesthetically, I wish I had a picture to show you, but there's a, a huge rock at, at the back of the hall. That's the altar, huge rock. And the building was built around this rock in the ground, right? And so this huge rock and a Buddha sitting, an old Buddha sitting on the top of the rock, and that's where everybody, you know, uh, uh, faces that Buddha and that rock. And it's just a gorgeous place. I love sitting there. And I, I had set up a sitting uh, area in my room and, and then one in the hall. But I ended up sitting in the hall the whole time because there weren't many people there. There were 20 people at most at any time. And people are coming and going at different times because it's not a formal retreat. They come for, a, a, you know, 10 days or a month or three months or six months or a year, and they leave whenever they're done, right? And so people are coming and going at different times. And, um, and so I love being there. And it was very powerful to be on retreat and just be silent and do nothing, basically. And, you know, and of course, there's the magic of awareness itself and of consciousness being aware of itself and the unfoldment that happens. And some of it is pleasant and some of it is unpleasant and some of it is neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And again, I'm describing the second foundation of mindfulness, Vedana, because it was very, very important for me on this retreat, Vedana. It really, uh, if I if I say it bluntly, it saved my ass on this retreat. So and and part of the uh, magic of uh, of practice is partly dukkha, right? Dukkha happens, right? Dukkha. If you don't know, if you knew and you don't know the word, it means suffering or difficulty or dis-ease or unsatisfactoriness of experience. And uh, for the first week, I was in hell realms. And I mean seriously hell realms. Like it was really, really hard. And uh, here, I'll read, this is from some of the notes that I wrote myself while I was going through the retreat. The fourth full day, uh, first of all, here's the paradox. So I got very concentrated very quickly and started to go into jhanic absorption. And if you don't know jhana, it's certain levels of concentration, samadhi, that's very deep and very uh, compelling, very absorbing. Like you're in it, like when you hit that level of concentration, you're not going out. There's not even anybody trying to go out. You're just there. And so I was doing whole body breathing, which is my practice. And I got, I got concentrated and then I started going into jhana. 
And John is like, you're not even doing it. It's just doing itself. And so that was really good. But then, it, then uh, as I wrote on the fourth full day, Johnic type experiences for two days. And then on the fourth evening, I couldn't sit and I couldn't walk, right? Meaning that's what it felt. I can't do this, right? And I felt like I didn't want to be there and that I was going to die if I stayed. And so these are very strong feelings that are happening that I'm calling the hell realm. And, and it felt like hell, like I did not want to be there. I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to go home. And I got really scared because I couldn't sit and I couldn't walk. And there's nothing else to do but sit and walk there. Like that's all you can do. And so, and I kept wanting to do something to save myself, to call my wife Pam or to call somebody or to leave. And this went on for a number of hours. And finally I went to my room and I went to sleep and I had these powerful dreams which can happen on retreat. And here I'm gonna read you some. So the first one, um, I'm in this house, in the whole house, and, and the electricity's gone out in the house or in the, on the block, which actually happened here, here in San Francisco the other night. Right, but this was on the retreat in the dream and I had guests at the house, but I kept telling them it's okay that I knew where the light was and and I did in the dream, right? And it was I knew where the flashlight was. So here I'm going through all this suffering and then I have this dream about I know where the light is. And then I have a second dream that night and the dream is about an earthquake is happening and we're in a building and I um, and I'm in an elevator and the door is open to the elevator and I can see the whole building collapse in front of me except the structure holding the elevator. So I'm in the elevator and I'm seeing the whole building collapse in front of me and I'm praying right that the structure of the elevator stays up and I'm and but I'm also I'm very relaxed while I'm praying that the, the structure stays. And then I wake up and I feel really calm, but I also feel like, oh, something is collapsing in my house. By house, I mean my psyche, right? And something was happening. And the main feeling I had was meaninglessness. And like, who cares? Why am I doing this? Why am I here? And, and so the one, one of the saving graces, which is just barely, which is I understood that this kind of experience is, is um, documented or, or well known in what's called the progress of insight. That at certain deep stages of practice, the hell realms, or what some people call the folding up the mat and getting out of here stage happens. And it's hell. And it's not a joke, actually. It's, it's, it sucks, in my opinion. And the question is, how do you practice with that kind of fear, anxiety, um, aversion, uh, disgust, uh, rejection, wanting to reject the experience totally? And, um, and so a few things helped. Noting helped. 
which is not something I do most of the time, but I was trained to note my experience. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it means you say very quietly in your mind what's happening. Like you're, if you're breathing, you're doing in-breath or out-breath, in, out, in, out. Or if there's a sensation, it's vibrating, vibrating, tingling, itching, pain, uncomfortable, whatever it is, you just say it. You say what's happening as a way to get a little distance from it and be objective about it and let it happen, but not be cathected to it totally, right? And the other thing that was incredibly helpful, maybe the most helpful thing, was Vedna, was, was identifying the unpleasantness of the thoughts I was having, of the feelings I was having, of the sensations I was having, and just noticing, oh, unpleasant, unpleasant, because I'm thinking I, I'm going to die if I stay here. And that's an unpleasant thought to have. Right, And so I'm noting the, the Vedna is so helpful because, again, it gives a little bit of distance from the experience and allows us to be with it. Here's Bhikkhu, Bhikkhu Bodhi says Vedna, which is often, the second foundation is often translated as feeling. First is body, feeling uh, is second, third is mind, and fourth is dharmas. Um, so... Um, Vedana does not signify emotion, but bare affective quality of experience, which may be pleasant, painful, or neutral. This is from Bhikkhu Bodhi. And then I'm adding on, it's a taste of experience, a quality of feeling, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, that conditions grasping, or aversion, or forgetfulness, or delusion, right? Because when it's neutral, we don't pay as much attention because there's not any charge to it. The unpleasant, we pay attention to. The pleasant, we pay attention to. The neutral, we go to sleep a little bit. And so these feeling, the feeling tone habitually conditions our reactions that we're grasping for the pleasant or condemning or disliking the unpleasant and we become um, forgetful or the mind wanders when, the, when, we're, when there's no charge in the neutral feeling. And so what happens in cultivating the awareness of Vedana is a kind of balance comes to the heart and mind, an objectivity to being aware of experience as it is even when it stinks, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's unpleasant which most of us run away from, turn from, try to fix immediately. This is from the Buddha. He said, forms, sounds, tastes, odors, tactile sensations, and all mental experience, this is the terrible bait of the world with which the world is infatuated. I mean, we believe those experiences we don't learn how to stay aware of those experiences. We believe them. And one of my favorite 
Tibetan teachers, uh, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, he said it this way, sense impressions trigger an instinctual reaction. Sense impressions of the body, heart, and mind, right? Trigger an instinctual reaction. Meditation is about seeing the ape nature, the ape instinct of the ego, right? It's seeing this primordial uh, uh, animal instinct reaction to experience. And so, so this went on for a week, this hell realm. I mean, really hard, and, and really, I, I can't even explain. The one, I worked with a couple of the teachers there because I was having a very hard time. And, uh, and they were helpful, but you know, they can only do so much. One of the teachers said to me, even at some point, she said, you know, if you really need to leave, you can leave. And because this was, they knew what I was going through and they know the hell of the, the progress of insight at this phase of the, of the hell realms. And so, and then um, one night, this was like the, you know, I'm a week in there and all of a sudden I, I walk out after um, uh, sitting, this is at night, and I was doing this little walk down the hill and back just to get outside. And it was like everything changed like that, just like that. And what happened was I relaxed on the, on the it was actually after dinner of my walk down the hill. And it was like the fear just left me. It was just gone. And I knew it immediately. Like it, I was just aware, oh, I'm here. Really, that was the thought I had. I'm here now, right? And 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 there was um, a kind of, you could say there was a kind of cessation that happened, but I didn't care about the cessation because I felt the freedom of what happened. I'm here and I felt like I'm home. And that's a very classical part of the progress of insight. At some point, there's a big release or a little release or some kind of release and the feeling is I'm home. And I felt that, I felt that I'm home. And, and, I, and I knew, and I was okay. And I knew I was okay. And it was just like, boom. And, and, uh, and, it, and, and on one hand, it felt like not a big deal, but it had been a really big deal. But I felt the release. Let's see more. Yeah, I'm home. And then, and then I had other kinds of sense of, being aware of what was aware of everything. And so then the awareness really opened and it wasn't just what was happening in my body, heart, and mind, but I was aware of what was aware of my body and my heart and my mind. And the awareness became quite, this was the, uh, the, the sukha uh, after the dukkha. Yeah, the sukha after the dukkha. But I want to say a little more about Vedna because the Vedna was so helpful when I was going through the hell realm. Um, um, oh no, maybe I don't want to say anymore. Enough about Vedna. I'll go to the, I said about the release, felt about release. What else did I want to say? 
There was definitely a cessation that happened, a very quick cessation, and that was also good. And the sense of I'm home, and and um, and a experience of both awareness and emptiness, like oh, everything is just empty. There's nothing solid here. It's just all doing itself. And the feeling of I'm home, of course, always takes me back to this beautiful poem from Dogen, which I like to read. He's uh, talking about his own life. And he said, treading along in this dreamlike, illusory realm, without looking for the traces I may have left, treading along in this dreamlike, dreamlike, illusory realm, without looking for the traces I may have left, a cuckoo's song beckons me to return home. This is archetypal in Japanese and the cuckoo, or I think in Japanese culture, the call of the cuckoo is a call to come home. A cuckoo's song beckons me to return home. Hearing this, I tilt my head to see who has told me to turn back. But do not ask me where I am going as I travel in this limitless world where every step I take is my home. Now that's beautiful dharma and there's beautiful truth that every step we take is actually our home right now. And we lose touch with the home that is right here. I'm pointing at myself, but of course, I'm pointing at each of you because this is where your home is right now. This is where your consciousness is located right now in the location of your, of your Zoom box in your house on your seat. Hmm. And so the sukha of practice then really lit up and I was aware of awareness, aware recognizing what was watching my mind and, and a kind of purity and simplicity and discovery of what's here happened, uh, uh, which brought a lot of presence and a lot of awareness. And I was reminded of the, the verse from Proverbs in the Bible, the human spirit is the light of the eternal. The human spirit is the light of the eternal. Light of, of the eternal. And it's a beautiful understanding because that light is sitting in each seat right here. That light is what is thinking, what is feeling, what is looking. What is, what is understanding, what is confused. It, it's, it's that light of consciousness that's right here. Of course, the other quote that I threw in the blurb for SFI was from Annie Lamott, who said, there is an ecstasy in paying attention an ecstasy and paying attention. You can get into a kind of Wordsworthian openness to the world where you see in everything the essence of holiness, a sign that God is implicit in all of creation. And that was really part of my experience after this going through the hell realms was, oh, God was everywhere. Beauty was everywhere. Goodness was everywhere. And I realized you know, I just saw in so many ways a, 
uh, there was just a heartfelt appreciation for life in all its forms. And especially it was like, I mean, I'm sitting with all these different people, um, what, only one of whom I knew. I knew one of had been a student. Maybe some of them knew me, but I didn't know them. And um, uh, but but still, just the, my total heart opening of appreciation for their practice and their sincerity and their devotion and their commitment and their uh, and their light, right? Because I felt their light when I practiced with them and the power of sangha which is that we can light up together. And it's such an important part of our practice. Hmm. And the retreat became kind of what I call normal, but it was very pleasurable. There was a lot of sukha, and I just kept learning more and more about my body, heart, and mind, and especially certain psychological patterns of thought that I didn't have to believe. They were just patterns and they happened. And I would watch them and I would say, oh yeah, that's totally unpleasant. But I wasn't caught in them at all. I was like, I could laugh at them and I, I wasn't bound to them anymore. And everything just seemed so simple, right? That all, all I was doing was being right in the moment. And the moment is good and is magical. Like we're here, even in this moment, is totally, really, in my opinion, wild that we're alive and that, that and consciousness is alive here now. And I also could really appreciate um, myself and my practice and my ability to trust my experience even when I hated it because I hated that Hell Realm stuff. That was not fun, and I like fun. And then there are other different experiences I had. I went into a very deep peace for a while, and, and, then, uh, and then jhanas and all kinds of centers would open up in the body, heart, mind, you know, the head centered opened up and it was kind of majestic or glacial or, and, uh, and you know, at a certain point I landed in the belly center and I felt like that rock that I described in the meditation hall, I felt like that was in my belly, like vump. Like, oh, I'm here, boom. And I don't have to do anything to be here. I'm just here. And the belly center, the, the hara, is an undervalued center that's taught in Buddhism. And there was a kind of samadhi in the, in the belly, really. And uh, yeah, and then there was other, there was one point I was in the heart center and there was all this pain in the heart from, you know, from a life, from having a life. And it was just being with the pain, allowing the pain, staying with the pain, and then watching it just go all on its own, not because I was doing anything, I just stayed there. And the simplicity of beauty, because, you know, sometimes I'd have a sitting and it'd be okay sitting, you know, not great, not horrible. But then you walk out and then you see the magic of reality. And it's one of the beauties of 
retreat. It's really, it's like being on acid or something, not quite acid, but it's like being on, on drugs where you're just seeing really, you're just seeing the beauty of a tree or a flower or a plant or an animal, uh, you know, and, and it just, you just go out and the weather was always changing on the retreat because we had warm weather, like warm meaning like the weather we had in San Francisco today. If you're in San Francisco, is about 50 was a high today. So that was warm on the East Coast. And then I had weather where it was down at 28 and uh, and sometimes it was snowing and some days it was raining. I got caught in a downpour one day in my big walk. And yeah, so, but but the beauty of each day and each moment was right there. And then watching the gratitude arise for practice. Uh, really, after the hell realms, every time I sat, I would bow three times before and three times after. And I, I mean, I do a little bowing, but I'm not a big bower. I'm not a three times before and after bower, but... It just what was, was what was happening and what was called for. And it was all about appreciation and gratitude and gratitude for all of it. And then the one other thing I wanted to mention too was also the eating meditation, which as I still think is one of the great undervalued practices in 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 retreat. I I I would I would go and eat and, and the way I eat is I sit down I'm aware of three breaths then I have one bite of food put the spoon or fork down and then I chew the food and swallow it and then I have three breaths and I watch my samadhi land every time I went to to the eating mat it's like it's like oh I would land in myself more and more fully each time mm. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's about all I want to say tonight. So, but I'd love to hear from you, as you know, about any thoughts, uh, questions, opinions, reactions, anything you want to know more about. I don't read the chat while I'm here, so if you have a question, raise your hand, please. And uh, you could use my bar. Oh, maybe it's in the breakout room or in reactions. I'm not sure. Let's see. Yeah, breakout under reactions under the bar here. You can raise your hand. And uh, or we can just sit. But I always love to hear from you. Oh, there's some people. Okay, Allison. Thanks, Hi, everybody. Uh, I just loved hearing about your experience. I felt I could. I felt like I was there with you. So thanks for doing the hard work, bringing us along on that experience. <laughs> uh, you know, it's. I have to say, I come here on Sunday nights for the last thirty years, and I just feel like oh, it's family. So I can tell you whatever is happening, even about the hell realms and. Well, it's just so helpful because I think we all touch very briefly on our version of the hell realms and to be able, it was a question that I always kind of wanted to pose or felt like maybe I had posed, which is, wait a second, 
do things get a lot worse before they get better with this? And, uh, you know, realizing after a few years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then it keeps unfolding differently every time and keeps being surprising every time. And yeah. then these plateaus of like, wait a second, it used to seem so different. Or, it, it, and then allowing something new to take place you know, even when one wants to be wistful or uh, say, well, but yeah. So it was just really terrific to hear those different levels and they felt familiar. They felt personal <laughs> to me. It's, you know, just wonderful. Yeah. So I think I really, sure. it, it's, it's such a gift. It's such a gift to share the space. And, yeah, no, happy uh, to. And happy, happy to be here with you and happy that you recognize it all in your own experience too, because it's just part of the deal. It's not personal in that way. Ooh, and I liked your dreams too. My goodness, they resonated because I've had elevator dreams myself and they were familiar. Uh -huh. It's bizarre to me how something so personal like a dream, something so esoteric can be mm -hmm. so universal also and integrate modern technology as well as ancient primordial technology. The ape, you know, is also our evolutionary sense that's just here with us. Yes. So, thank you. You're it was I loved it. Yeah, Thank that was you. great Christmas present. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas to everybody. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you for your inspiring practice. I don't know what your name is. You have to unmute yourself. I am doing yeah. that. Okay. My name is Denise Tiu, and I just oh. want to say I'm so grateful to be here tonight. I enjoyed hearing Nina do the Donna talk so much. And your story about being in the forest refuge reminded me how much, I'm just gonna say it here, how much I loved hearing your your teaching all these years. And it was, I, there's just so much about what you shared and what your, your authentic self and about your authenticity to tell us all of that and being with you on that. I mean, we weren't with you, but we were hearing it in delayed and I have so much gratitude towards you. It's just, I, I, I can't say it enough. It's just so beautiful to be here with you. So thank you for you're, sharing that beauty with us that you, you teach, how you teach. You're, you're welcome. Okay, I'm glad you're here. Okay, Amy. Oh, I, I appreciate your Humility. Um, I don't have Eugene on my screen. I have Denise. How about now? Yeah. Any thank better? You. Okay. Yeah. Um, I appreciate your humility. There was no ego in your telling mm. of your story, and that's uh, to me extraordinary. But I have a question about. So let, let me just say something about that because it's it's um, that's an interesting comment you're making. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't feel a lot of ego, but it's there's something about the the momentum of the retreat is still sitting here, mm -hmm. and so I think that's partly what you're pointing at. Mm. 
Yeah. And it's one of the things that's a, a little bit of an art that one learns about how to come off retreat and then keep practicing and be relaxed. You're not trying to keep the retreat, but you're also not trying to um, just jump into the full, you know, 24-7 quickness of normal life. You, you want to stay connected with what's here as you leave the retreat and live your life. Yeah, okay. And I'm just coming off my first silent retreat at Spirit Rock this week. No, then we silent were practicing together. Interventional uh -huh. rains. Mm -hmm. And the question that... Who was teaching? Who was teaching? Is it just for me? Amana and Nole. Great. No leeway. No leeway in Amana. I love Great. it. Great. Um, my question from both and your talk is that I sense a difference between Vedana and a feeling of the magic of reality, sort of a dimensional. The more I study the mind, and see, you know, a thought and then positive, negative, the more I feel that the origin of my Vedna is really, in some sense, the mind. Uh, wait, wait, wait. So just to be technical here, yeah. Vedna is, is a way we interpret any experience. Some experiences we experience as pleasant, some is unpleasant, and some neither pleasant nor unpleasant, which we call neutral. So that's all, that happens automatically. Right. So you're not doing it. Right. But I still sense that the origin... What do you mean by origin? The source. Uh -huh, okay. As opposed to when you speak of the magic of reality. Uh-huh. There's well, well wait, the magic of reality is generally pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> but that also source, has Vedna. The sport ah the source to me feels I don't know that there's feeling oh. and there's feeling. There's a vast immeasurable yeah, source yeah. which yeah, yeah. love if I knew what love meant that gives brings a rise, you know, a, a feeling of, you know, the real compassion and the real equanimity that doesn't come in any way from the same origin that right. I feel like all my other feelings. Okay. Come from. Have, so have yeah, no, no, you're, it's good what you're pointing at. You're pointing at mundane Vedana and super mundane Vedana. Okay. And I'm not so, I'm not totally, you know, an expert at that, but there is like ordinary Vedana, and then there's another level of experience and the Vedana of that. And that's, you're pointing at this other level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, that's true. 
I mean, I feel like I can't even take the Bodhisattva vows because I don't know that other level of love. Well, that, you know, that doesn't matter. Very way. No, and no, no, you can take the Bodhisattva. You could take the Bodhisattva vows, and then it'll it'll teach you how to be a Bodhisattva. I could be hopeful that someday. No, you can do it. It's okay. it's already even if you're interested in it, it's already here. I I yeah. don't I know what love means. What love is in that vast source yeah. of a way. Well, you'll find out. I hope so. <laughs> Take the vows and see what happens. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, thank you, Amy. Tabas. Thank you, Eugene. That was an awesome story report of your retreat. I think you should transcribe the, the recording and send it to Tricycle <laughs> or something. I mean, it's really inspirational. Uh -huh. I love to read Dharma stories, you know, and often Dharma stories are about some Zen monk in a cave in China in uh -huh. you know the year 1200. So the you know the dreams, yeah. the uh, foundations of mindfulness, um, the eating was really beautiful. It, it actually makes me want to do a retreat like that, which I've never done. Go for it. And it's like I wouldn't get through the first day. I'm telling. You, I no, you, you don't know home. that. You don't know. You don't know what happens. I mean, I've done these retreats many times. I've never had this experience before. Not like this. I mean, and even one of the teachers said to me, you haven't had this before? I said, no. She was like, oh, wow. You know, she was surprised. But I hadn't. And you never know what's going to happen anyways. If you're, if you're drawn to it, Trust yourself. Don't trust your fear. Okay, thank you. Okay, sure. Okay. Martha. Unmute yourself, please. I think I can unmute you. I could try to do that. No, maybe I can't. There. Is that okay. good? Yeah, that's good. Okay. I am in a mini hell realm. Okay. I'm day five from total knee replacement. From, from what? Total knee replacement, day oh, five. Oh, yeah. Okay. Congratulations. <laughs> so I'm coping with all this physical discomfort and being surrounded by people who mean really well, uh -huh. but don't always. Uh, if you could stay still while you speak, I, I can hear you. The voice is better. It's not doesn't waver so much. Okay. Thank I was, you. I was massaging my leg. 
Anyway. Yeah. People who really are meaning well, but we don't always end up in the same space of what I want and what they want. Sure. So um, that's what's going on. I I really resonated with your talk this evening, and if you have any um, wisdom to share about dealing with physical pain, that would be helpful. Uh, I would I would note it, and I would uh, note the vedana of it as it's happening, and note when the vedana is when you're not just aware of the pain because you're going to be aware of the pain for sure. And then there'll be moments when you're, there's not pain or when the pain isn't in the foreground and you want to note that and be aware of it. And so you, you start to land in the rest of your body, not just in your knee. Right. Right, like feel your rear end right now. Yeah. Your rear end is fine. <laughs> oh, it's been sat on a little too much. <laughs> that that may be, but still, it's not. Yes. It's not. Is it's not in the same kind of duke as your knee. No, no, it hasn't been battered. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and it's pretty exciting that you're going to have a new knee. You've got a new knee. I've got a new knee. Yeah, kind of wild, huh? Yep. <laughs> And, and so just, but keep practicing. And also the other thing I didn't say, I should have said this. Sometimes when I was in the hell realms, I would do a bunch of loving kindness for myself. Oh, good idea. Yeah, no, totally. A lot of metta for oneself. Okay. You know, and I really, I would just do it in any way I could. Okay, thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Good luck. Okay. Uh, who's next? Faye. Hi, Faye. You need to speak and unmute yourself, Faye. Uh, you're not unmuted. How do I unmute? Lower hand. I don't see an. Uh, Nina, do you know how to unmute? Oh, Faye, there we go. Okay, sorry, I'm just um, have trouble with electronic devices. Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, Faye. Hi, Eugene. Um, I just kind of wanted to say hello to you, and um, gosh, I'm going to start crying. Um, it's okay, crying's okay. That's legal in Buddhism. You know that. <laughs> Just so happy to hear Believe me, I, I cried a bunch on this retreat. No joke, you know, because I was in some hell realms. And when it's hard, tears, and sometimes when it's good, too, I cried, right? Sometimes the, the joy brings some tears. Just uh, the words that you use talking about your experience in the hell realm, um, I could identify with because kind of the last two years of my life have been in the hell realm. Yeah. And, um, you know, used words like fear and anxiety. Yeah. And, um, 
get me yeah. out of here. Get me yeah. out of here. That's the feeling. Yeah. And just um, like I have, uh, let's see, a lot of um, dukkha from a brain injury. Let me, I'll just start with that. But um, end of each day, it's not, it's like I'm almost fearful about the next, or not almost, I am fearful about the next day because um just some chemical stuff that happens in my body it's happens every day and it's very um anxiety producing and uncomfortable mm-hmm. and uh it's just so hard to not have fear about it and yeah. i just so appreciate your talk about remembering to just you know focus on like the noting practice right right and <laughs> why can't I remember to do it when it's happening? It's hard. Oh. It's hard to don't don't add any second era of blaming yourself because it's hard. And I really the even the teachers I worked with, it was they it was hard for them. Right. Because that's why the one teacher said, you know, at some point you can leave if you have to, you know, but because it's like nothing was helping, right, for that first week. And and so don't blame yourself. Just keep doing the best you can. And, and tonight I want you to remember my voice and telling you to note the fear and the anxiety and the unpleasantness of it because it's unpleasant fear. Yeah. And can you repeat that Proverbs quote? The Proverbs quote, sure. Let me find it in my notes. The human spirit is the light of the eternal. The human spirit is the light of the eternal. (laughs) And that's going to make me cry. Um, Well, that's crying out of beauty and goodness because it's true. You know, and with my my situation having been in not being able to leave my home in 20 months, Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of questioning about, like, what is this all about, This, you know, um, when life isn't very enjoyable. And the whole thing about, you know, life is precious, I've heard in your teachings, and Uh it's... It's just hard to find that and feel that a lot of the time. Right, that's true. And so you want to be aware of that. And and then because there are moments when it is, when you're aware of the preciousness or the goodness of just being alive. But it's you're working with a lot of dukkha. And so we want to be really respectful of it. Yeah. Thank you, and I, I guess I am. For some reason, I've I've stuck around here for two years, and there is this human spirit that's made me. Um, totally. I, yeah, I kind of like have a little bit of wonder about that. Anyways, I'm taking up enough time, but no, it's okay. You can take up some time, but the wonder is it a wonder of wondering? 
from the sense of curiosity or wonder of like, you know, I'm not sure what, what's the wonder. It's about that I have um, been through so much pain and suffering and I mm-hmm. keep showing up. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. That's something about the beauty of the human spirit because really you're not the only person who've been through a lot of pain and suffering because, I mean, relatively all of us here are in good circumstances, right? In terms of where we live and houses and clothes and food. and But all over the world, there is so much suffering of people who've been displaced or, or wars or you know, just craziness of, of human beings and, and people who are living as refugees for months, years, right? And so it's, there's something that you're, ha- you're experiencing that is not just you who's experiencing it, that kind of ongoing difficulty. And you do have at least the good fortune to be in your home and here and able to come here once in a while and listen, which I know you listen sometimes and you don't come on. Yeah, I haven't been able to listen since like mm. probably last March. So mm. it's been okay. a while, but yeah. Um, yeah, anyways, I appreciate the teaching and it's just, it's wonderful to be able to be here tonight. Yeah, great, glad you're here, Faye. And, and we'll keep sending metta for they all be well. Thank you. Okay. Jim, I think you're the last one tonight, Jim, so go ahead. Okay, real quick. Hi, Eugene. So I'm gonna start off pulling your hair a little bit. So sure, I was at, I don't have much left. No, no, and, and it's too bad. Um, no, no, it's not. So I was at Forest Refuge and IMS for 80 days. Uh-huh, beautiful. And I didn't get to Jana. So you deserved the, the, the hell roast <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, no, that, that was pulling your hair a little bit. But what I did come away with, I mean, I was just like stuck in Basadi, stuck in, in calm tranquility for for literally months. Uh-huh. Um, I never got to to Jana. Um, but what I did, I contract contacted or contracted. I'm not too sure. Okay. Like an allergy, maybe in my sinuses that I've talked uh-huh. a bit about, or I experienced so much physical pity uh-huh. that got like stuck in my face, and now two years later, it is still in my face. Uh-huh. I'm just moving around sometimes in my teeth. Have you ever heard of, you know, energy getting blocked like that for that long a period of time? I don't know enough about that. I really, uh, to give you a really educated response, I just don't, uh, I don't know if it's energy or if you have allergies, right? Yeah, I don't, I mean. Because I have allergies and they just go on and on. And wait, I lost you now. So you've gone. Where'd he go? (laughs) Okay. 
That was the, the energy did something. Hold on, let me go back to gallery view. Really, like, does anybody have them him in in your house? <laughs> right. He's gone. Pardon? Looks like he's gone. It does look like he's gone. That was it. He didn't like my answer, and he left. <laughs> you res you resolved his stuckness. <laughs> Well, let's see. Let's wait a minute. And if he doesn't come back, we're going to end. Would you go over the eating again? That was so lovely. I want to remember it. Just just when you eat, take a bite and don't do anything else but chew and swallow and be aware of each piece. And you can note each piece, chewing, 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 swallowing, chewing, 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 swallowing, chewing, chewing, swallowing, done. And then take three breaths before you reach for the next bite. And then it's reaching, placing, putting down, chewing, 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 chewing. Yeah, that's all, it's very simple. It's just simplifying each moment so we're, that we're there and then see what happens because consciousness is wild when it gets it gets unified with its experience that's really all it is okay everybody i think that's it for this year so happy new year to everybody may you have a great new year and i'll ring the bell in a moment uh, and we'll offer, uh, you know, may our good fortune, may our merit go out in every direction, touching beings in every realm, above, below, to the north, east, south, west, in this world and every world. May all beings be happy. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering. May we all awaken. May we awaken together. May all beings be free. Okay, everybody. I love. I'll see you in the new year. Have a good new year. Have a Thank good you.